Hey guys, welcome back to the show this week. And I am so excited to give you part one of a two-part series on healing from infidelity. Why? Well, because infidelity just can really rip the fabric of our relationship and tear apart trust, which is not something that we want at all, right? However, infidelity isn't the last thing. It is not a death sentence for your marriage. You can come out on the other side with God's help and with grace. So with that, I am so excited to welcome our guest this week, Stephanie Broersma, and she is a living example of how God brings beauty from the ashes in the lives of his children. She's been married since 2002, and her and her husband, Tim, have walked through the valley of marital betrayal and come out on the other side stronger, more in love, and fully devoted to Christ. She now leads Reclaimed Ministry, an organization that seeks to help other broken brides recover from the pain and devastation of marital infidelity. Stephanie and her husband have four children, and when she finds spare time, she enjoys trail running, scrapbooking, and spending time with friends and family. She lives in the Northwest pocket of Washington State. So excited for today's show. Welcome to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reunite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might've contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the grace-fueled wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the Grace Field Wife. Now let's dig in to today's and from show. then, someone reached out to me on Instagram, like right after I had created the Instagram with the name for the show. Hey, there's this woman, Stephanie, you know, and she sent me your information and oh was like, God. I think she would be a great, um, you know, she might be a great guest for your show. She just wrote a book. I'm sure she would be interested to pro- promote her own work. And I was like, Yes. So it was like before I even started the podcast, I felt like God was bringing me people to speak, and, awesome. which is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I found so, so much freedom in that because in the beginning I felt like I have to have all the answers and I don't have all the answers. And, and I, I'm recognizing now that I don't. And I'm finding that the episodes where, you know, sure, I have some of my own and, you know, I'll teach on a topic, but the episodes where I'm able to bring in someone else who has more expertise or a different perspective than I do have been doing really well. And I I really feel like it adds a ton of value for the listener. So that's why I was so excited to have you and uh, just have you you come in here and, and tell talk to us a bit. 
Yeah, you know, I think so much of, of how your ministry started and how Reclaimed Ministry started is very much the same. It's like God gives you a story. Um, we were very hesitant, especially myself. I was extremely hesitant to share, obviously, because it's embarrassing, right? Nobody wants to talk about the messy parts of your life. And um, the way that God got us onto this track of sharing and turning our story into a message um, it was very much like in a coaching uh, mm -hmm. session where my girlfriend just said, you know what, women need a small group and you're going to start in six weeks and you need to write the curriculum. I'm like, I'm not a writer. <laughs> I'm not going to write. Sorry. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, you have six weeks. You need to start writing. I wrote the curriculum. That was, goodness, eight, nine years ago. And through the years, it just kind of slowly grew to the point where now we have a 12-week small group curriculum guide, and now we have a 30-day journey, and we've got this online ministry that has reached beyond the United States. We're global. We've got women all across the world that are reaching out to us, and so I applaud you for stepping out in faith and doing the podcast because you know what, my whole thing the entire time is if it reaches one person, if mm -hmm. it touches one person, then it's worth it. And it's worth sharing for that, that one individual that needs to hear your story. So yeah. well done. I Thank applaud you. you for stepping out in faith. Thank you. I love that, especially coming from someone who is a little further advanced in having done the ministry and you know, you have something and I've always thought about and that was a, a big piece holding me back for a long time because I was like, well, this is a calling from God. Is it a ministry or is it a business or what is it? And then finally it was like, you know what? A podcast is free. Yeah. And so there's no, well, who's to say like it can't be both because yeah. the podcast is just offering, it's completely free and it's just there for anybody who needs to hear it and needs to be encouraged and needs to hear from someone like you or any of the other guests that I bring on, you know, and I feel like it's my job really to just steward that and steward, who am I bringing on? Are they really in alignment with the message I want the podcast to send? And, um, or really the message that I feel like God has given me to send. And that's basically it. So I'm just kind of walking in obedience to that. And I'm just so thankful that God has given me this platform in which to do it. And this platform in which I have been able to coach women one-on-one -on -one who um, are really looking for the extra, the further implementation. You know, they they want to be a part of the Facebook group. They, they want to sit and we schedule calls and, and we talk about their specific situation. So all of that has been such a beautiful thing to watch how not only has God enabled me to do the ministry piece, which is really this podcast, but also to do the business piece where he allows me to coach women. He really just brings them to me. And it's just so beautiful. But back to you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and, and kind of how that started. And then we can go into some of the other things I want to touch yeah, on. Yeah, sure. So my husband and I, um, at the point of uh, confession, um, a lot of women call it D-Day, the discovery day. Um, we had been married for seven years. We had two kids at the time. And, you know, our marriage from the outside was very pretty, uh, very well put together. It was organized. We never fought. We never raised our voices at each other. Um, and so it was very much textbook. Um, 
you know, hindsight is 2020, right? Like looking back, I can see, I can see the areas that were completely shattered and crumbling that needed work. But because we were just going through the motions, we didn't see those blind spots. And so at seven years into our marriage, um, my husband came home and um, blindsided me with a confession of uh, a 10 year pornography addiction, which had led to multiple affairs. And I, I never had any red flags. I never had reason to investigate. I never had reasons to threaten. If you do this, you're going to be out the door so fast. It's going to kick you in the butt. You know, I never had reason to say those things. And so I was really, um, I, I sat there just in a state of shock for what I was listening to. And yet from his perspective, he was getting that last root um, released of bondage that the enemy had held him captive for so long. And so for me, it was this um, moment of transfer of, of my husband's burden and his sin transferred into my lap. And that really became the beginning of my nightmare. And so he shared with me that day some details and um, he wept in joy for being released and finally free of the secret he had been carrying. And I was left to figure out what to do, like what are my next steps? And so uh, I quickly rushed to church and I found my mentor friend, Catherine, and she helped work me through some of those in initial emotions. Um, you know, at first I didn't really have any tears or, you know, I never yelled at him. I didn't punch him. I was just in such a state of shock. I really didn't know what to do. So I was at church and um, she helped me make some of those next step movements. I met with my pastor that night who later said, you need space in order to heal, in order to process, in order to really work through some of the shock of this confession, you, you need space and your husband needs to move out. And, um, you know, I never said in our wedding vows till death do us part in sickness and in health. And until you step outside our wedding vows, I'm then going to ask you to move out. You know, I, I, I personally could not do that. And so our pastor came home and helped my husband pack his bags. And uh, our pastor sat here with our children who were sleeping until I got back home that evening. And I came home to an empty house. And I was devastated. I was crushed. And yet at the same time, the emotions of feeling so dirty from all the details of the confession, um, it was a really heavy, heavy night. Just in so many different ways, it was a heavy night. Um, and so that was kind of that night of, um, that it was, it was that, that night was just processing what had just happened. Um, over the next few days, we had some communication, not much, uh, but really where our story begins is uh, 10 days into our separation. And I think God knew how stubborn my heart was. Um, you know, I'm, I'm Dutch and the Dutch are known to be stubborn and I'm stubborn in all areas. <laughs> And I think God knew that, that fine little detail about me um, because he brought us Good Friday. And the timing does not go unnoticed to us at all. Um, 
Good Friday, I had been wrestling with God, just an all out, like in my thoughts, in my, in my soul, in my heart, just wrestling with God. Like, I want to accept what you've given, to, given me on the cross. I want to accept your grace. I want to accept your death, which gains me salvation, eternal salvation. But I'm not willing to forgive my husband. So if I can just have this one big thing and just leave some of this over here, that'd be really nice. <laughs> and so that was kind of the struggle I was having all day on this Good Friday. And, and I had just um, processed through a couple of different books. Hope for the Separated by Gary Chapman was the very first book I read. And for any woman, for any bride who's faced with a confession or discovery, I strongly suggest that book. He does such a great job of just laying out your options. And he doesn't guilt you. He doesn't judge you for choosing one or the other. I had biblical reason to exit my marriage. Um, but I chose not to. And so on Good Friday... I had called Tim up and I had asked him to come home and we took communion in our living room together. And before we exchanged the elements, I told him, I forgive you. I forgive you for all of the deceit, all of the lies, um, all of the times that you were with other women or viewed other women that betrayed me. And, you know, I, I wish I could tell you, I felt so much better after that moment, <laughs> but I felt so much worse. <laughs> And I don't know if that was God's plan or what, but that really is the, that's the process of forgiveness. That is the process of healing is in order for us to truly find that, um, to find that soul healing that we need to find that heart, um, the, 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 the heart to be cleansed of such filth and devastation. The first step is forgiveness. And I love that you chose that as our topic to talk about because that really is the beginning of our journey. So it's, mm -hmm. That is the starting point of the beautiful broken story that we share. And um, I really did. That was the night where I felt worse. But yeah, it was, it was my personal step that I had to take to start the process of healing. And so that was that in a nutshell, that was the first two weeks mm -hmm. of confession. Um, I don't think I stopped crying for those first two weeks. I didn't eat those first two weeks. Um, I, I hardly slept. Um, and any bride who's experienced a confession or discovery can agree with that and can yeah. probably say, yes, that's very true. I've done yeah. the same. Yeah. I, in hearing that it's just, it resonates with me on a, such a, so my husband and I never, I, we never experienced any sort of uh, confession or discovery like that. But in hearing you describe D Day, was exactly what it felt like to come home to an empty house. Yeah, you know, and it's and I knew, you know, we had discussed it. I knew that he was leaving. I mean, I helped him. I was like, I'll help you pick out your apartment. And he was like, Whoa! <laughs> and because I knew before he left, it was like something God told me he's going to leave. And I knew that it was going to happen. And, and so I, I felt like God was preparing my heart for that anyway, but nothing compares to that day when you're walking into the empty apartment. And those like exactly what you said, those, those weeks after were, were very tough, hard, lonely nights. And like you hold it together, you know, around the kids or at the time we had, um, my daughter was three. And so you hold it together around the people you don't really want 
for them to know. And then when you forget it, when you're by yourself, it's like, it's, it's long, hard nights. And, and, and the reason why I wanted to talk about forgiveness and grace is because the whole message of the grace field wife in general is forgiving your husband and giving him this un- grace is undeserved. The grace that we get from God is undeserved. And oftentimes when you're in a space like this, just like you described, God, I don't, I don't want to give him forgiveness for that. And, and, you know, I've learned over the years that not giving him forgiveness in those little areas is really just holding you in bondage, not him. Cause you said yourself, he was, he felt free and was relieved of the burden and, and now it becomes your burden to carry. And so that is in every episode in every place that I talk, it's, it's the one thing I, I try to remind uh, the listeners and women over and over and over that our husbands don't deserve our grace half the time but we don't deserve God's grace half the time. And if we're going to do what you said, which is fulfill our, our marriage vows, even though like it also, like you said, you, you had a reason to, to not, you had a reason to go. Uh, if we make the choice that we're going to stay married, then showing him grace is, I might, I mean, and you tell me, I mean, is it, I really feel like it's the only step forward. Where else do we go from there? If we can't extend him grace, then what are we going to do? We're going to be tied up in this knot in this, you know, this place of anger and resentment that never gets any better. And that's really what I was um, seeing and hearing. And that's kind of what was resonating with me as you were, as you were speaking, because uh, it's just such an important place. So Talk to me then about what does that look like? What does that forgiveness look like? Yeah. You know, really it comes down to this really simple statement is that forgiveness isn't an option. It's a commandment. And regardless how we feel, if we were to base forgiveness on our feelings, we would never forgive. We'd, we'd be living in an even more bitter and resentful world than what we already live in right now currently. Yep. And, you know, God commands it of us. And so when we're faced with something, it's easy to say before a confession or discovery, oh, you know, among your girlfriends, right? Like you have the talks. Oh, if my husband ever cheated on me, I would never forgive him. There are no second chances. But the moment you're placed in that position to, in, 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 in the nightmare, really, it's not even position. It's a, it's a nightmare. The moment you are, are faced, you know, face to face with this, this burden, with this discovery, that's when your faith is tested. That's when what you've been taught, um, how you've been raised, what you believe, that's when your faith becomes active. And you really have to go to the Bible and go, okay, like, I read this. I read this every day. Um, but are the words going to become active and living in me? And that was my challenge is, you know, I knew I I was raised in a Christian home. I knew what the Bible said about forgiveness, but it took my little grandma to say my little granny who said, Oh, Steffi, you need to forgive as you have been forgiven. And you can't, you can't just turn it around and start yelling at your grandma and be like, no, you know, that's just rude and disrespectful. And it was one of those simple things that I just needed to be reminded of the simple truth of God's word is that we need to forgive so that we can be forgiven, but also as a commandment of God. And so how did that look like for me? 
you know, I think, like I said, that night when I, when I spoke forgiveness, you know, that was really the moment where the floodgates of healing started to open. It was the floodgates of more tears and more emotion and just feeling so distraught. And, um, it was more like an out of body second, you know, you're looking at this broken person going, you know, I know I'm stronger than that, but I don't have the strength to make it through this next minute. And it was because God was starting to work internally in me. And so um, forgiveness was ugly for me. What it looked like physically was ugly for me. It meant a lot of tears. It meant a lot of processing. It meant, um, you know, my husband and I having really uncomfortable conversations. It was meeting with the counselors and having the, the mentors and accountability. And, you know, any bride who's going through this, or even if you're in a marriage that's just not great, you know, you don't have to have a marriage filled with betrayal or infidelity to have to execute forgiveness in a marriage. Um, even our marriage today, 11 years post-confession, still needs forgiveness because we're human, we're flawed, we're imperfect. And um, it's something we have to do every day. And because of that, we need accountability. And so we invited a lot of accountability partners in our lives, both for my husband and for myself. I needed accountability people in my life to remind me when I was angry and struggling and completely devastated, you know, faced with a trigger and brought right back to the beginning. Um, I needed to be reminded that I chose forgiveness. I needed to be reminded that I chose the forward movement and to not stay stuck in that place of bitterness. I've met with so many brides who are stuck in that place of bitterness and they're not pretty. You know, nobody likes to hang out with the Debbie Downers. Nobody likes to hang out with the negative Nellies mm -hmm. and they're ugly. They're not fun to be around. Right. And so, you know, you have to, you have to accept those people in your lives and, you know, it, it has to be strategic. You need to have the, the trusted Christian supportive friends, your go-to people who can really, you would accept their constructive criticism and not mm -hmm. even so much criticism, but their, their ability to say, you know what, I'm hearing in your speech that you're becoming bitter again. And I just want to remind you, bring you back to what you chose. Um, accountability, they remind me that I chose forgiveness, that I'm choosing the forward motion. Um, and they, they're very gentle when it comes to having to say, you know what, I'm seeing some resentment in your actions and your speech. Um, they help you along. They carry you through. So forgiveness is not just a, a one-off thing. It's, it's a communal thing. You need people around you to support you in it because you can't do betrayal healing alone. You just can't. You need people. Yeah. Um, you know, courage doesn't happen in isolation. It happens in community. And to heal from betrayal, you need community. You need accountability. Wow. So that's kind of what it looked like a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, for my husband and I, it was something that we worked out every day. There was moments. <laughs> I'm sure my husband got real tired of my phone calls and my text messages. But if I had a negative thought come in or if I was just having a really hard day emotionally, um, that it's so easy to go to that bitter spot and to say, I feel this way because you did this to me, mm -hmm. right? Like we're so quick to toss that finger and point yep. it at somebody else. And I would have to pick up the phone and just say, I, I just want to call you and just tell you that I forgive you. I would pick up the phone and tell him that. I would text him, I choose forgiveness. I would have to speak it out loud because the moment, it's one thing to think something, but to speak it out loud, the enemy flees. Mm -hmm. The enemy does not want to hear the truth. The enemy doesn't want to have the light enter into a situation. Yeah. And it becomes, it becomes, it has more power. 
yes. when you can speak it beyond your thoughts. Yes. So uh, there was a lot of speaking that uh -huh. I forgive you in many different ways. Yes. <laughs> what uh, really resonated with two things uh, that resonated with me uh, with what you said was uh, a forgiveness is a commandment. So, you know, you chose forgiveness because, and then the, it, then it was the accountability part because I, I remember being in a space where, where my pastor reminded me that at the time my husband was an unbeliever and he left. And so biblically I was, I was justified in, if I didn't want to continue the marriage and, and same goes for you. Biblically, you would have been justified in, in that instance of the marriage vows being broken. And, and I think for a, some, a, a couple cup recovering from this betrayal, recovering from whatever that may be, right? Um, I think that piece is so important is making the decision because that, I, as you're speaking, I'm like that even has to come before the forgiveness, yeah. right? You have to make the decision of, you know, okay, this happened and, and I'm going to stay. And for a long time, I, I didn't even know if I wanted to make that decision. It was something God spoke on my heart. And that's kind of what kept me there. Can you, um, is there anything like, was it like a moment for you? Was there anything specifically that helped you to feel, I am going to choose forgiveness so that I can take that next step forward? You know, honestly, it came down to that Good Friday. In order for me to accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I had to offer forgiveness. And I can't, I, I wasn't able to pick and choose who I was going to forgive. Got it. God gave a simple commandment of, you know, forgive as you have been forgiven. He didn't say, um, here's a list of people that you can forgive. And if you feel this way, you can, you know, go the, you know, option B. Um, no, there was no options. It was, it's a one and done deal. You know, Christ died on the cross for all of my sins. And I going through this, this, that day of wrestling with God and, you know, asking him to take this area and yeah. <laughs> give me options to who I could forgive and whatnot. Um, it came down to, you know, Romans 3.23. We're all sinners. Yeah. We all need forgiveness. And the realization, like, like I had said, I grew up in the church. I grew up knowing the Bible. I did the Sunday school. I was raised in Christian schools. Um, the truth was not far from me. But when I was faced with this position of having to offer it to somebody who completely shattered me, who crushed me, um, that was the moment that my faith really became active. Mm, and yeah. it grew so much stronger than what it already was. Yeah. Because I realized that, you know, sure, my husband cheated on me with multiple women. And, and if you're a bride who's, you know, faced with a sex addiction or pornography addiction, uh, for me, it was a pornography that was actually harder to heal from than the actual affairs, because what's up in your mind is really hard to delete. It's really hard to, to delete anything that's been downloaded. And so, you know, obviously as women too, you know, the, the self image and all that, that your worth and your value and, we compare and that was so hard to get over and to forgive and to walk through that journey. But, um, you know, I had to realize that I'm just as much a sinner as my husband, mm -hmm. even though in my mind, my sins aren't as big in God's eyes, they're all equal. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so that really, that, that was pressing on me that day. Um, you know, again, Luke six thirty seven. you know, God tells us forgive and you will be forgiven. You know, like all so much of the, the, the new Testament is all about forgiveness. And we see that. And so it, you can't say that, um, you know, it was easy to forgive Tim. No, it was not. Did I want to? Absolutely not. I wanted to make him feel absolutely horrible for what he did. I wanted to wage war uh, with those women that came into his path. I wanted him to feel uh, the weight of his confession and the burden that I wore. Um, I wanted him to feel all of that, but I, the realization that, you know, I'm just as much guilty as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is the sin consequence. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my sins may not have had the larger scope consequence that Tim's does. Right. Um, and that's, that's the difference. Yeah. What I'm hearing also is a repentance on, on your husband's part, because you could have still, uh, still follow God's commandment of forgiveness but not continue the marriage had your husband not had his turn in repentance. And I think uh, when I speak to women and, and I, it's for a long time, it, it, I was trying to figure out what is the missing link. You know, when I look back at my own situation and, and when I look back at other marriages that have been redeemed, it's, you know, it, the offending party, whoever that may, may be husband or wife, um, if when they come back in repentance, then it makes you feel, okay, I, I feel safe enough to work yes. through this and continue the marriage and allow God to work through us as a couple. Because there are other cases where the husband's just like, yeah, I cheated. So what? And there's no repentance there. And I try to be careful not to make, I don't ever want to make a, a listener feel judged in that, that if, if that's the place where you're living and you feel that, you know, ending the marriage is what you need to do. I'm not here to say either or, but I, but I think that that is key in helping the listener to identify, you know? Well, and in my husband, he, he showed me, he physically showed me through his lifestyle and through his actions and his speech and his devotion that he was choosing a lifestyle of repentance. And I too have met with so many brides with husbands who have not, they're not choosing that. And that's why, um, even in the book that, you know, reclaim the 30 day journey, um, it's day 11. When we talk mm-hmm. about forgiveness, you know, forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about you. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't speak forgiveness to my husband for him to feel better. It was for me. I didn't like who I was turning into because I was turning into an ugly, bitter person filled with resentment. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is a vertical language, not a horizontal. Yes, it made my husband in his healing journey. It made it it it, it benefited him in that sense to hear me say, "I forgive you," because it motivated him to continue to have that lifestyle of repentance. Um, but forgiveness is vertical. It's, it's upright. It's not about the other person. And, you know, a lot of brides don't have a, a husband to say in front of them, you know, I forgive you. A lot of, a lot of brides don't have, um, and, and like you said, this goes both ways. Husbands and, and wives um, have stepped out. This is not just a, a, a male issue. Mm-hmm. This is universal on all of us. Uh, we are all capable of betrayal. And so it's, it, sometimes you don't have that person in front of you to say those words. And that's why really, if you want that, that true change, that heart change, 
it, it just needs to be you and God. You just need right. to release it back to God. It's not our position to play judge. It's not our position to give somebody a sentence for mm -hmm. what they did to us. Um, it's much easier when you can say, God, I'm just going to release it back to you because I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the strength and I don't have the scope of the amount of forgiveness somebody needs. Yes. I don't know the kind of punishment they need. And that's going to be, that's going to be for you. And again, when you go back to Romans three twenty three and realize that we're all sinners, shoot, I don't want somebody else playing judge on me, Right. <laughs> you know? And so it's, right. it's that kind of that, that full circle, you know, concept of, well, I, I don't want to be punished for something. Therefore I need to extend this because God commands it of us. Right. You know, um, I think another hard concept that a lot of individuals faced with this situation go through is, you know, we need to stop investigating and start investing mm. and in order to reinvest in something. It really starts with forgiveness and that reinvesting is just completely encased with grace. You can't move forward knowing that, you, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be expected that my husband was going to stumble again. It's going to be expected that he's going to trigger me in a way that's going to break me all over again. Um, I'm going to do something that's going to trigger him because we're all sinners. And so we do, we need that grace to kind of surround us. Um, grace is one of those accountability partners, right? It's yes. one of those things that you just need in the equation to move forward if you're choosing restoration. And maybe you're faced with a marriage that's not going to end up in, in reconciliation and you're not going to be able to remain married. That's okay. That's okay. You're not going to be judged because you can't make it work. But we need to stop investigating and we need to start investing. And that means the first step is forgiveness and the next step is to extend the grace because we need that grace ourselves in the process. Yes. I love that because before this conversation, I was thinking, oh, maybe I make this a two-part series. And part one is, how do I know if my husband is cheating? Well, let me tell you, there is a lot of information out there for how do yes. I know my husband is cheating? And I get it. And when I read through it, I'm like, okay. And then I realized that message is not a message that's in alignment with what I want this podcast to be about because of exactly what you just said, the investing versus investigating. It's like, well, sure. If I'm, you know, noticing some behaviors and, you know, everybody knows there's like, there's a time and right. place for it, but it should yeah. not, it should not be a continual you know, act of, of a spouse to investigate one another. That's, you don't have any trust that way. Right. And so I, what it was almost like, what I noticed was, wow, if I give this as, you know, five steps to tell if your husband is cheating, what is that? That's really in, in what I saw it as is really encouraging the insecurity within the relationship versus I don't, I want to encourage the strengthening of the relate, the marriage bond and that covenant that we've we've given each other, we've created it for each other because no one needs me to Google how to tell if my husband is cheating. Like if you already think he's cheating, there's there's some underlying issues there. And um, you know, whereas on this podcast, part of my mission is to help women make some changes in their behavior to um, encourage then changes in their husband's behavior before they get to the point of d-day whatever that looks like for them and so if you're already thinking that he's cheating 
I mean, that's already, you know, that's that you're already looking for a place where you need forgiveness, where you need this there. Right. It's already there. And so I really love that because I think we could take that same energy that would then consume us checking his phone or, you know, whatever, um, and try to invest it back in the marriage um, verse, you know, and so that, that was really important. And then the, one of the other things we had touched on before that I wanted to bring up was the idea of accountability. And I am very big on this, which is, you know, and, and I say to women, like I am offering myself almost as an accountability partner because I am so big on it and, and choosing that accountability partner carefully, you know, and I always tell her, my listener, you want somebody who is going to not allow you to get into that angry space and, and to bash your spouse. Talk to me for you. What does that accountability partner look like? What are some of the key components that they offered? You know, right offhand, the top of the list, it needs to be a Jesus follower. You know, if you're going to find an accountability partner that's of this world, they're going to tell you to divorce him and to take him for all he's worth. And um, that's just, if you are a Jesus follower, that is one of the like top criteria is find a trusted uh, Jesus follower that, that is in the word that's active. Their faith is strong because you are weak yourself. And so you need somebody that could be that pillar for you. Uh, whether it's a pastor, whether it's uh, you know, women's ministry leader at your church. Um, if you don't know somebody go to your church, go to, you know, a Bible study and say, Hey, I'm looking for a Christian mature faith filled accountability partner, who would you suggest? And sometimes that is somebody, you know, but sometimes it's not, and there's benefits for both ways. That would be the number one thing. Um, for, for myself, it was my girlfriend, Catherine, who's been, uh, I, she's been my life coach for over 10 years Mm -hmm. and she can call me out on my bluff. She can tell me, you know what? Um, I'm not seeing any growth. You know, as, as Christians, we have to show our fruits, right? The fruit of the spirit. And if I'm not able to express any fruit, if I'm not able to produce any fruit, regardless of my surrounding circumstances, um, something's off and she's able to call that out in me. And I think that's an important piece um, as, as women, as, as men who are faced with infidelity and, you know, if you're separated, divorced, or, you know, in a place of, of restoration, um, there still has to be fruit. You still have to be producing fruit and there has to be blessings. God doesn't say, Oh, well, you just discovered some infidelity. So I'm going to just put the blessings on hold for a few months, if not years, and just allow you to sit and stew for a while. No, like God in that moment still gave me blessings. Um, I can look back now and I can see the ways that God was just weaving his hand and his goodness and faithfulness in my life, even though I felt like I was just headlong into a dark pit, you know, God was still good and faithful in my life. And so that's how my accountability partner is active in my life is she's able to call my bluff. She's able to say, I'm not seeing any fruit, but she's also one to pray over me and to encourage me and not ask a lot of questions. Sometimes you need somebody who's just going to sit with you and allow you to cry and to process and to talk through something. And yet in that process, she's later able to say, you know what, when you were able to really just kind of vent last night, this is what I heard. And um, so that's one of those things, you know, I often talk about my essentials, my three essentials. And those first 
really the first six months, first year, um, I had a couple of my go-to accountability people call me out every day and just say, you know, did you get your essentials done? And they were basic. Oh, good heavens, they were basic. Like brush the fur off my teeth and put on a little pit stick and put a bra on, right? Mm -hmm. Like basics. Because when you're that devastated, you can barely roll out of bed. You cannot think about the next step in front of you. And so an accountability partner is going to come alongside you and remind you to get your essentials done. But beyond those essentials, you know, you really do need to ask yourself primarily three questions. What do you need to succeed? Um, Regardless the direction of your marriage and relationship, what do you need to succeed? What do you, what do you need to move forward? Um, what tools or resources do you need? You know, what do you need a counselor? Do you need a, a pastor to step in and do crisis counseling? Um, do you need the podcast, the, 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 uh, the marriage devotions? Do you need some separation? You know, what resources do you need to move forward? After you choose what you're going to do, what do you, what do you need um, in your marriage toolbox to, to make it better? And if you are in a place of divorce, you still have to move forward. So what do you need to become better? You know, I, I told other women that the moment you're flatlined in your growth, it's too late. I don't care how slow or how, (laughs) you know, you don't have to climb up a steep hill or steep mountain. You could just be a long incline. But the moment you're flatlined, it's too late. So your movement has always got to be forward and upward. But what do you need to make that happen? And the third question is, what what do you need most to heal? Do you need space? Do you need, you know, worship? Um, this it kind of encompasses those last two questions. But you have to look internally. You got to look at yourself. Um, if you're broken, you can't help other people. Yes. So maybe it's a week in a way. I just encouraged a bride. Um, she just discovered her husband with a serious pornography addiction. And the thought of him still in her home just made her physically ill. And I said, go get a hotel room. Go have a mom retreat. Take a time out. Um, what do you need in, in just one day, one week, every month? What do you need to continue to thrive? And you can still be broken and you can still thrive. And you can still be broken and God's still going to bless because he's still good in the middle of the mess. Wow. So good. This has been such an amazing conversation. I want to ask one more thing as we wrap up and that is, um, and I'm sure you meet with a lot of brides whose husband has, have been the one who was, um, unfaithful. What could you say to anyone listening who perhaps they were the one who was unfaithful? Any other brides let's say. Yes. Um, you know, I often come across brides who have been the unfaithful partner. Um, I've had a lot of men reach out to me and say, will the reclaim 30 day journey, will that work for me? <laughs> and the answer is yes to everything. <laughs> you know, it's simple. We all need grace. We all need forgiveness. And so the message that I, that I encourage brides who are facing an unfaithful partner, um, is the same message that I would tell a bride who's been the unfaithful partner is that, you need to walk through the healing journey as well. You need the accountability partner. You need, you need the resources. You need your essentials. Um, they're just as devastated. If, you're, if they're choosing, let me re- back that up. If they're choosing a, a lifestyle of repentance, if they come to a point of confession and say, I am genuinely, genuinely sorry for what I've done, 
God doesn't have, he doesn't say, oh, you know, my daughter, like, I know you're sorry for what you did, but, you know, God has no buts. Right. <laughs> There's right. none of that. So if you are the unfaithful partner and you are choosing, choosing a life of repentance, you too need the accountability. You need people to help you process the why. You've got to get to the root bottom of why was it that you felt you needed to step outside the marriage? Um, why was it you felt the need to seek attention from other men or other women? You have to understand your why. And so often that why goes back to your childhood. It goes back to a past experience. Mm -hmm. There was a catalyst that broke something. And because of that, you're filling a void. You're filling a hole in your life. And you can continue to fill it up with all things that are temporary and false and part of this fantasy world, but it's not going to fix the problem. Right. So you have to go back to your why. You have to ask yourself, well, why was it that I did this? And just remember that grace, you know, it's something, um, it, it's better experienced than defined. And you have to give yourself grace. You have to experience God's grace. You have to, for both the, the faithful partner and the unfaithful partner, you both need to experience that and you both have to offer that to one another. So the message is the same. Yeah. Wow. So oh, I'm excited to listen back because I feel like there's so many little nuggets that I want to pull out. I mean, this was really such a great conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time and, you know, coming in here prepared with, you know, the message that you wanted to give our listeners. I think it's going to be um, so important. Tell them, tell my listeners, how can they find you? How can they find your resources if they are in this space and and need them, how can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the easiest way is uh, reclaimedministry.com. From there, you'll find all the links to Facebook, Instagram, uh, Reclaim Ministry on Instagram. Uh, you'll find us on Facebook. We have got a main ministry page, but we also have Reclaimed Ministry Community, which is a closed private community of hundreds of women who have similar betrayal experiences and betrayal from just emotional, physical affairs, sex addictions, pornography addictions. Um, and it's never just one thing, right? It's never just a, a one-off problem. There's, you know, the main catalyst and a lot of whole, you know, other little things. And in this community, we support and encourage one another and we're offering resources in prayer and we're celebrating with each other because it's so important to celebrate the little wins in this journey. And so you can find us there on Facebook, Reclaimed Ministry Community. Um, but I want to—I I really want to end with this, this prayer from um, yes. Reclaimed, Finding Your Identity After Marital Betrayal. Yes. Um, this is the 30-day journey that, that I've written. And this really was inspired from the small groups that um, are led throughout the states. Um, our small groups are a 12-week curriculum guide that we meet, you know, five to 10 women each. They're very intimate. They're um, emotionally charged, <laughs> good and bad sometimes. But it's just, again, it's just an opportunity to process what we're feeling. And the entire message of Reclaimed Ministry is, you know, to find hope and healing and to gain confidence through this journey. But it's always pointed back to Christ. And I, I want to end our session with um, the, the reclaimed prayer from day 11 in the 30-day journey. And it's just the prayer of forgiveness. Um, please join with me. Sure. Jesus, I need you. You see my struggle to forgive myself and others. God, convict me of the sin in my own life that prevents communion with you. Break me for what breaks you. 
Help me to seek forgiveness daily as you have freely given forgiveness to me. Let me not hold on to the past. Guide me into the promising future you are waiting to lavish upon my life. I invite you into my desperate need for healing as I release the grip of sin into your hands. Amen. Thank you everyone for listening. I pray that message was meaningful to you, that perhaps it resonated with you or you think it might resonate with someone else that you know. I ask that if it did in any way, if you got any value from it, please go ahead and share the episode, review the podcast, um, the right there on Apple Podcasts, you can review it. If you write a written review, that also helps. Anything like that, it really just helps to grow the show. It helps other women like you to find it, um, especially sharing it. That really, that helps as well. You can go ahead and just click the three little buttons on the on the upper right-hand corner and share it with a friend, share it on your Instagram, anywhere that you seem you know, that you deem is appropriate, but that just really, really helps other women to find it. So thank you so much for listening. Hey, love, thank you for listening to today's show. If you found any value in today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today. This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.